0: Welcome to the weekly message from Albert Park Baptist Church, a community of believers seeking to love God, love one another, and love our neighbourhood right in the heart of Melbourne. We hope you find today's message inspiring. But over the past few weeks, we've seen uh, the response of Jesus' followers to news uh, of the reality that Jesus has risen from the dead. And we saw in the first week of this series, women uh, who believed and shared the good news. Uh, we then saw the majority of the disciples dismiss the women's news as completely nonsense. That these ladies must have PTSD. Couldn't possibly happen. How could someone rise from the dead? Uh, then we saw Peter, uh, who kind of thought, eh, it does seem a bit crazy, but I'll just go check it out for myself. And so he went to the tomb and kind of couldn't put the pieces together. Um, we saw Jesus interact with two disciples on a road uh, who misunderstood what was going on and then, and then started to understand. And then we saw Jesus interact with the, all of the disciples at once who initially thought he was a ghost uh, and yet still didn't believe at the end of that interaction because it was just too good to be true. Uh, and so that's where we've been. And now we come to the conclusion of Jesus' time on earth... And we see these disciples, filled with great joy, worshipping Jesus and continually praising God in the temple. There has certainly been a tangible change in these people's lives over the 40 days since the risen Jesus, since Jesus rose from the dead. Tangible change. And what they thought to be impossible actually happened. And the misunderstandings they had, which they weren't even aware of, were addressed, and Jesus was proven to be everything that he ever claimed that he was, and so much more. And so we're just going to dive in to the last part of Luke's gospel today. So if you've never read through a whole book of the Bible, at least you can say you got to the end of one today. So we're at the end of one. Uh, this is Luke 24, and Janice will chuck it up there for us. It says this, when Jesus had led them, that's his disciples, out to the region of Bethany, He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while Jesus was blessing his disciples, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then Jesus' disciples worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And Jesus' disciples stayed continually at the temple, praising God. I just want to read the start of Acts to give us context. This is Acts 1 says this in my former book and this is Luke talking I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up from heaven after his suffering Jesus presented himself to his disciples and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and after Jesus had said what I just read he said he was taken up before their eyes so that's the context Jesus lived, he's died, he's risen again, He's hung around for 40 days, and now he is gone. So just in case that wasn't clear, it's been 40 days. It's not five minutes, 40 days that the risen Jesus has been on planet Earth. He's had 40 days with these people who initially thought it was a ghost and initially thought it was crazy and all these other things. He's spent 40 days with them, a full month. And what I want to emphasize this morning is the disciples' response to these 40 days, the disciples' response to Jesus being alive. As I mentioned before, the disciples' response was not great early on. Um, It'd been less than ideal, but everything has changed after they've walked with the risen Jesus for 40 days. No longer are they dismissing the women's news as nonsense. We see that they're rejoicing, they're worshiping God, they're wanting to be in His presence all the time. They've seen and they've touched the risen Jesus. They've had their eyes and their minds open so they can understand everything that's going on and everything has changed. And so you'd expect that their response to Jesus would change as well. And so we read again, while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then, i.e. directly after he went up to heaven, they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple praising god so as a result of everything that they'd witnessed everything they'd experienced everything they've come to understand their response to jesus becomes worship and that's important for us that their response to jesus becomes worship it becomes obedience and it becomes great joy and i believe that should be our response as well that as we've experienced jesus as we've witnessed his work in our midst that our response should be worship and obedience and great joy. And I wonder often whether people at the MCG worship more than the church. I'm a passionate Richmond supporter, and I was a closet Richmond supporter for most of my life until recently. But if you go into the MCG, when there is 80,000 fans, which we all have our own opinion on that right now, but if we go in there, there's people praising players and praising teams and praising everyone. It's all exciting. It's a worship event. And yet so often in church world, there's no, nothing like the passion of that. And so I just want to talk about those two things. Firstly, worship. Uh, one writer uh, expresses uh, their opinion on what's going on. It says this, Jesus brought his disciples to a clear and definite faith in himself as a resurrected Lord Resurrected Lord, sorry. One who is due nothing less than the reverence of worship. Essentially what this author is saying is that a life of faith in Jesus is a life of worshipping Jesus. If you're not worshipping Jesus, maybe you don't trust Jesus is what it's saying. Another way of saying the same thing is that when we trust, when we change who we trust, who and what we worship ought to change as well. Who and what we value or to change as well. A heart attitude which recognizes God's supremacy trusts his will for our lives. It's like the passage I just read from Luke before. Look at the flowers, look at the birds. If we can trust that God is present and active in our lives that we're going to allow him to do what he wants to do with our lives. So I choose to develop a conversational relationship with Jesus. I choose to be attentive to him and his word. I choose to allow him to change me and lead me as he sees fit. I choose all of this because he saved me, because he loves me, because he desires a relationship with me, for all of us. That's the first thing. The disciples have finally come to the realization of who Jesus truly is and what he has truly done, and they worship him for it. They finally get it. This guy is worthy of my worship. He is worthy of my undivided attention, which he's been talking about his entire life. He he is worthy of. The second thing is obedience. Luke 24, 49. And this is not a, a nice word for most people. We don't like the idea of obedience, as Tristan emphasized before. Jesus says this, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been closed with power from on high. So Jesus gives them a command. Hang out here, guys. Don't start the mission without me. Don't start without the Holy Spirit. Hang out here. Wait for me. And secure in the blessing of Jesus, the disciples obediently return to Bethany. They do what he's asked to do, and they wait for what Jesus has promised. What we now know is the Holy Spirit. And willful obedience is a key part of worship. Choosing To follow Jesus is a key part of the Christian life. If you you look at the Greek words for listen in the New Testament, the implication is not just that you hear with your ears, it's that you actually go and do with your hands. It's why Jesus constantly reminds people, listen. Listen to what I'm saying. He's not just saying listen with your ears, he's saying listen with your whole lives. Are your lives changing because of what you believe? Are you being obedient to what God is doing? And willful obedience demonstrates the depth of both our faith and our love for Jesus. I choose to obey him even when it's hard or even when it seems to not make sense because he loves me and because I love him and trust him. These are Jesus' words from John 14. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, to help you, i.e. help you do that, And to be with you forever and this is again john 14 anyone who loves me will obey my teaching my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them now that's an amazing promise that if jesus is who he says he is that he's saying that god is going to live with people that's incredible promise not just up there somewhere in the stratosphere but he's going to live with people Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And so maybe a challenging question today is, if I'm not obeying Jesus' teaching, then what does it say about my love for him? It's not about obedience to be saved. It's obedience as a demonstration of the love that is already there. So thirdly, great joy. Not only are the disciples obedient to Jesus' commands, they return to Jerusalem with great joy. They're fired up now. They're excited Back when Jesus first died, they were depressed. They wanted to run away. Peter denied Jesus three times. It was game over. Now 40 days on, they've eaten with Jesus. They've hung out with the risen Jesus. Everything's exciting. It's a new mission, new day. Let's get pumped up. Everyone's fired up. It's great joy. Not only are they obedient to Jesus' command, they return to Jerusalem with great joy. And their earlier joy and amazement and that it's too good to be true um, gives way to great joy here, which comes the result of their newfound understanding and their experience of who Jesus is. They're overjoyed at all Jesus has done for them. And finally, we see here that they offer continual praise to God. Overjoyed and possessing all this newfound understanding and first-hand knowledge and experience... The disciples are seen day after day praising God. The people bump into them, they're praising God. They're at work praising God. I'm not saying shout it from the thirteenth floor of Collins Street, but I am saying that praising God should be part of who we are. It should be it just should exude out of us. Exude, sorry, out of us. People should be asking what's different about you why are you so happy all the time and that doesn't mean your situation is happy it just means there's a contentment in there in our lives there should be continual praise to god and it should be evident it should be evident so what would have been a regular part of their lives is now given greater meaning it's talking about the temple they go to the temple every day. And that was a regular part of their life. They would go to the temple and they would sacrifice an animal to forgive their sins in that particular moment. But this going to the temple as a regular part of their daily ritual had much more significance now. Because they knew that the lamb that was being sacrificed was being sacrificed for so one day. Jesus was sacrificed for all time. And so they would go and remember and celebrate and get pumped up for the fact that Jesus has done what they couldn't do. What I want to invite all of us to this morning is a 40-day journey through the birth and life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Now, you can do this in whatever way you want to, and you don't have to do it via reading. You can do it via audio book, audio Bible. You can do it via video, whatever you want. But I want to invite you To spend the next 40 days and if you can only do one i invite you to one in the gospels not in a devotional that talks about the gospels but in the gospels in matthew mark luke or john pick one because i believe that if the disciples life changed in 40 days drastically from these women have ptsd to I'm going to shout for joy wherever I am. Jesus is King. That there's a shift here that can happen. And so I want to invite you to spend 40 days in Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. The life, the teaching, the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. And allow yourself to ask, who is Jesus in wherever you're reading from and how can I relate to him? And so as... For me personally as i read that passage before for offering that has been a key part of where i've been sitting for a long time in terms of faith that i have to continually get into nature and be reminded of the birds of the air that i don't have to stress about all the little things i look at the flowers not because they're beautiful which they are but i look at the flowers and look at the trees to remind myself of god's provision that i don't have to fret i don't have to worry that the world worries but I don't have to because my Father has everything in His hand. My Heavenly Father. And I just want to close with that. This is the end of that passage. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Now that seems crazy because we all worry. We are all stress heads. We live busy lives and everything's just in our head all the time. But Jesus is saying, don't do it. He's not saying don't do it because it's a stupid thing to do. He's saying don't do it because there's a better way. There's an invitation to something else. Do not set your hearts on what you'll eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the world runs after all such things. And your Father, that's God, knows that you need them. And here's the invitation. Seek his kingdom. Seek him. Seek his kingdom and all the things that you need will be given to you as well. And I love this, verse 32 Do not be afraid, little flock, for God has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God wants to give you all these things. And so I want to invite you to a journey with God, with Jesus, for 40 days. If you can only last two weeks, it doesn't matter. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not like you're going to be a better Christian if you can read through the whole thing. I just want to invite you to a relationship with God. We don't come to a church because it's a religion thing. We come to a church to encounter the living God, which we can encounter in our workplace, on the walk down to the beach, anywhere. And we invite you to that, because I truly believe that in forty days your life can be astronomically changed if you are willing to invest this. So let's pray. Father, there are people in this room today who just hear about Jesus rising from the dead and they just jump up and believe and share and everything's fantastic. Others of us here dismiss it as nonsense, that he's this guy with a microphone blabbering on for 20 minutes. Others have wonder what's happened. Could it happen? Is it true? Could someone rise from the dead? Trying to put the pieces together. And others of us are somewhere on that spectrum. And Father, I just pray that you would help us lean into you in this moment, that if one thing is true of us in 2021, that it would be that we actually investigate it, even if we think it's crazy. What have we got to lose in the end, Lord? But what do we have to gain so much? And so, Father, I pray wherever we're at today that you might remind us of your gracious invitation into a loving relationship with the creator of the world. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If today's message evoked anything in you and you'd like to talk or pray with one of our pastors, please get in touch by phone or email. All of our details can be found at albertpark.org.au. We worship together in person, 10am every Sunday at 115 Kerford Road, Albert Park. All are welcome. We look forward to seeing you soon.